leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty alongside Anthony Brown. I am Garrett Bouquet. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we've got a uh, another edition of the Michael Jordan versus LeBron debate, and uh, we're going to be discussing Michael Jordan's top 20 playoff performances of his illustrious NBA career. Uh, there's, uh, you know, cu- even cutting it down to 20 was pretty difficult. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's amazing to me as I went through all of the different individual games and, and uh, looked at the numbers, how... I had to basically say, oh, that's just a 40-point game that I can't mention. Right. You know, a bunch of stuff. <laughs> oh, there's a near triple-double that can't make this list. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible when you look at, especially, I noticed, early in his career, prior to that first retirement right. from uh, for to go to play uh, minor league baseball, just every series, just incredible, mouth-watering numbers he put up. Oh yeah, uh, back when we first met, I was you know going uh, on this journey of trying to watch as many basketball games of Jordan as I could, and I remember starting that journey thinking like, you know, I think Jordan's the best player. I want to learn more about his game. Whatever, you know, he's pretty good. The more I watched, the more I was like, holy crap! Somehow he's even better than I thought he was. Yes, and I already thought he was the best of all time. So many of those games against, and that we're going to get into against the Cavs, against the Pistons, um, late eighties, early nineties, where it's just he does everything for his team. Yeah, it's incredible. Yes, he he was something to watch. So uh, I ended up making a list of a top twenty. So we're going to do a little bit of a countdown, and sure. uh, you've got some things in your head that uh, from from watching him throughout the years. So. Uh, mm-hmm. If if you notice anything that uh, you think is blasphemy, just uh, <laughs> just uh, let me know. But uh, first up, I uh, I kind of cheated with number twenty. I've got three different games here listed. <laughs> nice. uh, we we could have gone with a you know a, a twenty two greatest playoff accomplishments, <laughs> which I don't yeah. But twenty sounded a little it. cleaner. Yeah. Uh, so what I have for number twenty is essentially just round one brilliance against you know more mediocre teams during the 1990s. Right. Uh, the the numbers are incredible, but the, the opponent, not not as much. So mm-hmm. uh, the first one I'm going to mention is the 1990 Game 3 of a first-round series against the Milwaukee Bucks, where he puts up 48 points on 20 of 35 from the field, yeah. 7 of 9 from the line, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 blocks, and, you know... We uh, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we 
throw out all the necessary stats, even the bad ones. He did have sure. five turnovers Terrible. in the loss. <laughs> um, yeah, one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. What a horrible <laughs> performance. Right. Uh, but, yeah, just uh, the offensive efficiency there, hitting 20 of his 35 shots, just incredible. Yep. Uh, the other one, uh, the 1995 first-round game one against the Charlotte Hornets, where he put up 48 points as well, 18 mm-hmm. of 32 from the field, 11 of 11 from the line, and nearly put up a triple-double with nine rebounds and eight assists, Right, you know, having that total package to go along with nearly 50 points. And this is the year where he's coming back from baseball and only yes. plays, I forget how many games during the regular like season. Like 21 or something. Right. Um, so to be able to still be in that shape. And that, that sounds, you know, it being round one, game one, sounds very much like, uh, oh, you guys are doubting that I'm back. You right. know, I'm going to show you sort of thing that we've talked about with Michael Jordan. Yes. Uh, the, uh, the other one here, uh, the final one to wrap up, uh, my number 20, is the 1997 game two against the Washington Bullets. A uh, team with uh, Juwan Howard and uh, Chris Webber. Mm-hmm. They put up 55 points on 22 of 35 from the field, 10 of 10 from the stripe, 7 rebounds and a couple of steals. Uh, and, uh, you know, also getting the win as well. Uh, you know, super impressive. Oh, yeah. That's actually one I was thinking about. Um, I didn't have a as formulated of, of a list as you, but... I kind of had that as an honorable mention just because 55 points and that efficiency is insane. Yes. Uh, but, you know, just against the opponents, I felt like that was, you know, the Bulls are going to win that series no matter what. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of just showing off with 55. But. Yeah, I believe that was uh, that was a sweep. I should mention that uh, 1990 Game 3 versus Milwaukee, that wasn't a losing effort. Right. Which is even more crazy uh, that, uh, you know, it shows that even – these brilliant players, and we saw it with LeBron in Game 1 of the Finals, they can play about as great of a game as you'll ever see. Right. And yet sometimes the team just doesn't uh, do enough around them. Yeah, and every time I hear like the arguments of, like, you know, Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen, therefore he had all this amazing help. Like, no, Scottie Pippen was great, but the competition they were going against, you know, people might now, uh, you know, watching the NBA, they might think, oh, Milwaukee Bucks, he lost to the Bucks? Wow, the Bulls must suck. No, that that Bucks team was really good. Yeah, in the in the eighties and into like the early nineties, there, um, really good team. Well, and they, I should mention they they beat the Bucks in the they series, do. but lost in that specific game. But yes, right. the Bucks were were great. They had Don Nelson as a coach for a while during the during mm-hmm. the mid to late eighties, and you know the likes of Sidney Moncrief and right. Z- uh, Jack Sikma, Terry uh, Cummings. Yes, and... had had a brilliant team. Um, and, you know, Scottie Pippen, uh, he was coming into his own in 1990, but he still wasn't the superstar, right. the top 10 level player at that point either. So mm-hmm. uh, at that point, Jordan didn't have quite as much help. So that wraps up number 20. Now we're going to, uh, to number 19. Mm-hmm. It's the 1996 Eastern Conference Finals, Game 4 versus the Orlando Magic. Uh, and the Magic were a 60-win team. Uh, but unfortunately, in that conference finals, they did lose one of their best players in Horace Grant, Horace Grant yep. a key ro- role guy for them who was on the Bulls pre- previously. Uh, so that ended up being a sweep. In, I feel like in large part because Grant got hurt. I think Orlando I may have competed a lot better. Uh, but this was also a situation where, again, in '96, coming off uh, you know losing to Orlando the previous season, Jordan dedicated himself. 
to get in great shape, and you could tell that uh, the the uh, <laughs> the Orlando Magic was the target, and yeah. uh, he was going to do whatever it took to uh, eviscerate and humiliate them as best he could. Right. <laughs> and uh, in that game four, which was the clinching game that led to the sweep. 45 points, 16 of 23 from the field, 10 of 14 from the line, 5 assists, and he also had 4 turnovers. Right. Again, terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the uh, the efficiency, you know, it's even though Jordan was not a three-point shooter, and people might look at that of like, you know, could he play in today's league or whatever because he didn't shoot with that regularity from the outside. If you've got a person shooting 16 for 23 from two rank, from two point range, even if they are long twos, which are a bad shot or whatever, I'll take that. Right. This dude was crazy efficient, and these are contested shots too. Usually, with I mean, he's going within the triangle, but like, you know, he's doing pull up shots, fadeaways off of people. I mean, I mean, 45 points on 23 shooting possessions. That's you know really close to approaching two points per shot. Yeah. Which is just an outrageous efficiency, right? Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was pretty incredible. And again, to, uh, despite the fact that the Magic were injured, still Shaq and Penny, still a sixty-win team, still right. a big stage. Right. So super impressive. Uh, now to number eighteen, we've got the nineteen ninety-seven Eastern Conference Semifinals Game One against the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. And this Atlanta Hawks team, led by Steve Smith, were a fifty-six-win team. You know, you talk about. Uh, you know, we've talked about the difference in Jordan's eras, the Eastern Conference versus LeBron's Eastern Conference, and this is the kind of stuff we're talking about. Where in the second round you're playing a team with 56 wins, right? Uh, and you know, the East was just stronger uh, during the 90s than it has been the last. And as incredible as the the run LeBron has had going to eight straight finals, the East has just been weaker than it was during Jordan's heyday, right? Uh, in that game one, again, which is a is a crucial game in the series, 34 points, 13 of 25 from the field, which seems like really inefficient compared to what we were just talking about, right, but right. Uh, had 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals, and 3 blocks. The whole Bill Simmons stock stat, the steals plus blocks, right. having 7 of those for a shooting guard is just downright filthy. Right. He's six foot six. Let's not forget he's not a post player. Yeah. Um that's amazing. Um, and you, you mentioned it before, you know, looking at these 40 points, 34 points, whatever, you know, for most players, that's like a career game, 34 <laughs> or 40 points. He averaged for a while, it was averaging around 33 points a game before he went back to, to Washington. So, like, that's insane. There's this really, um, you know, rare stat, the whole 5x5 five five games where you have... Mm. Uh, you, in all five major categories, you get five at least. And, you know, in this game, he was close to that. Just two blocks and one steal away from right. a five-by-five five game, right. which uh, is, you know, pretty incredible as well. And we're only on 18. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so now down to 17, we've got the 1988 Eastern Conference Semifinals Game 2 against Detroit at Detroit. Uh, and again, this was a 54-win bad boys team that... Uh, came within one win of the title losing in game seven to the lakers in in a really close ball game Mm -hmm. so uh but in this game jordan put up 36 points on 14 of 22 from the field eight of 10 from the free throw line 11 rebounds now you know you might say oh some of those previous games you mentioned were better but talking about the opponent you're facing here that really matters because the pistons 
were one of the best defenses, if not the best defense of all time. Exactly. And they had probably the best defensive strategy, I would say the best defensive strategy ever devised against Jordan. Mm -hmm. Right? It was specifically the Jordan rules were, let's stop him and make everyone else have to score. And it it worked. He kind of took the bait every time and like, okay, I'll try and beat you by myself. And couldn't do it until 1991. So, Yeah, and, you know, getting that... Uh... Getting that help from the exactly. supporting cast was key, and you know the Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant in particular getting better, right? Uh, really, really helped things things as well. Uh, moving on to number sixteen, now we've got the nineteen ninety one Eastern Conference Finals again against the Pistons, Game Three. And, uh, this is also at Detroit, and uh, the Pistons, a fifty win team, but also the back to back defending champions of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, he put up 33 points on 11 of 19 from the field, 11 of 12 from the uh, the free throw stripe, seven rebounds, seven assists, three steals, and five blocks in the Bulls' win. Yeah, it's that's insane. Like you said, the five by five, he's two steals away from that. Right, uh, and you know this was again. 91, it, it felt like the tide had turned a little bit yep. and that the Bulls had kind of, you know, not only did they have home court over Detroit, uh, but they had gotten closer and closer every year. I believe in 88, they uh, they lost in five games. 89, they lost in six. six. And, and 90, they lost in game, in game seven. Yep. So it felt like this was coming where the Bulls just kept getting better and Detroit, you know, again, after making three straight finals, you, you get tired a little bit, you you lose a little bit of that motivation. Right. Uh, but game three in Detroit is a situation where that's the game where, okay, we're down 2-0. If we can take this, we can get ourselves back into the series and, and maybe gain a little mojo. But right. Jordan just wiped all that out. And I think this series in particular is where you see the Bulls make that, they kind of evolve to that next plane of like champions mm-hmm. uh, mentally. Yeah. You know, they approached this series and it was just, it was surgical as they were coming at them. Um, yeah, they they grew up in this series. Um, and like you said, they swept them, right? Yep. This, yeah. You know, you uh, when you go down 2-0 in a series and you're coming back home, game three is a crucial game. Of course, no team in NBA history has come back from down 3-0 to win a series. So that game three is so critical. Right. Uh, it, uh, you know hopefully swings a little bit of momentum if you're the team coming home uh but jordan able to uh you know win that game three and in a, right. uh and and really make it so that uh, detroit didn't feel like they had any chance <laughs> uh moving on to uh to number 15 uh the 1991 eastern conference semifinals versus philadelphia now this is the first one where i'm talking about an entire series most okay. of prior to this it's all been uh you know individual games uh but this is where it starts to get a little bit ridiculous. Uh, and this Philadelphia team had Charles Barkley, of course, were a 44-win team. Not the greatest of teams, but mm-hmm. had that star player, were a second-round playoff team. Uh, Jordan, for the series, averaged 33.4 points, 8 rebounds, 7.8 assists, 1.8 steals, 48.9% from the field, and 79.5% from the free-throw line. And uh, the real standout performance in this series was in Game 3 at Philadelphia. It's also neat seeing how many of these great performances come on the road as well, which takes that mental fortitude. Uh, Game 3 in Philly, 
46 points, 20 of 34 from the field, 6 of 9 from the free throw line, 6 assists, and 4 blocks. And that was in a losing effort. Right. <laughs> That's incredible. But wow. yeah, you know, him and Barkley had uh, quite a few uh, great battles uh, during oh, yeah. the 90s. I think they met up in, in 90, 91, and of course in 93, uh, which we'll get to a right. little bit later. Uh, but uh, it it always felt like Barkley was you know played great, but he was just you know outplayed just a little bit by Jordan, and yeah, uh, that's what happens. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Now we're down to. Uh, oh, excuse me. I had one more uh, one more individual game to mention in that mm. Philly series. Game five, uh, he he put up thirty eight points. 14 of 31 shooting from the field, you know, not super efficient, but 10 of 11 from the free throw line. But he did grab 19 rebounds, which, uh, you know, that that number stood out to me. Wow. It had seven assists in the game, uh, as well as four turnovers in the Game 5 win. Wow. 19. For a shooting guard. Yeah. It's just, just, uh, just incredible. There's only, there's another, his 69-point game, I remember he had 19 rebounds. But yeah, 6-6 six, six shooting guard. Um. <laughs> So um, the uh, that that is another. I'm glad you mentioned the 69 point game because that would be on this list, but it was a regular season exactly. game. Whereas this list is is mainly just just, just playoffs, right? Uh, but obviously that is uh, was was an unbelievable performance. For sure. uh, number 14 is uh, we've got the 1992 first round series against the Miami Heat, and the Heat were not very good. They were a 38 win team. Right. But despite that, the numbers that he put up in this series were it's just ludicrous. <laughs> it really is. Forty five points a game. For the series. For the series. Nine point seven rebounds, six point seven assists, three steals a game, sixty point nine percent from the field, and ninety point six percent from the free throw line. Now this was a three game sweep, mind you. <laughs> right. But even in three games that's absurd. Here here's a couple of the individual game numbers. Game one, which again, crucial to, if Miami feels like they might have a shot, they might have to steal game one, especially in a best of five, you know, that's even more important. Right. Uh, 46 points, 21 of 34 from the field, 4 of 4 from the line, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, 3 steals, and 5 turnovers in the win. And then in game three, the closeout game, 56 points, 20 of 30 shooting, 16 of 18 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, and 4 steals. Just, just outrageous. It's, yeah. it's mind-boggling. Yeah, it's, it's a, like video game stats Exactly, right <laughs> yes. Just, uh, you know, 20 of 30. Just, you know. And the free throw attempts as well, getting to the free throw line 18 times shows you how aggressive and relentless he was attacking the basket, and teams just had no answer other than to foul him. Right. Uh, so, and again, we're only at 14, mind you. Right. Uh, and, he, and that series was number 14. Uh, number 13, I've got the 1998 Eastern Conference Finals Game 2 versus the Indiana Pacers. Oh, this man. was a series the Bulls won in seven games, a real tough battle. Uh, but the Pacers were a 58-win team. Of course, had Reggie Miller, the Davis brothers... Uh, Chris Mullen, Jalen Rose, mm-hmm. Mark Jackson had a really good team. Uh, but in that Game 2 win, which gave the Bulls a 2-0 lead in the series, which they they needed every bit of that edge to, to pull it out, 
He put up 41 on 13 of 22 from the field, 15 of 18 from the line, four rebounds, five assists, and four steals in the victory. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that Pacers team was, was pretty solid defensively as well. Really was. I actually remember watching this series. This was uh, probably one of the first series that I was old enough to, like, really remember and like mm-hmm. oh the game's tonight cool i'm gonna watch um yeah crazy stat line again this is crazy we're only on 13 yes and again against like you said a 58 win team like these aren't even though it's you know are this is the eastern Con- conference exactly going against i mean in any other era this indiana team could have you know contended and like actually been in a championship, you know. Well, and they made the finals in two thousand when right. they lost to the Lakers. But I think even that ninety eight team may have even been better than that two thousand team, you know, because Reggie Miller and basically everybody was a couple of years older. They had kind of an old team even in ninety eight, right? Uh, minus like a Jalen Rose was a young guy, but uh, you know, I think the ninety eight team was better. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was really stiff competition for a conference final. Uh, the the number twelve. Uh, on Michael Jordan's greatest playoff accomplishments is the 1990 Eastern Conference Finals Game 3 against the Pistons. Now, again, this is a Pistons team, defending champions, 59-win team. Uh, you know, you you could argue about whether the 89 or the 90 team was better, but they were both brilliant. Right. Uh, but in this Game 3, uh, he had 47 points, 17 of 32 from the field, 11 of 13 from the line, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, and 4 turnovers in the Chicago victory. That's just insane. (laughs) Um, And again, you know, just for context, you know, from 87 through 1990 against these Detroit teams, you know, it's Jordan carrying the team with all of these wins. You know, Scottie Pippen's in there, he's getting better every year, Horace Grant's still there, Cartwright's still there, but... um, I mean, you see it just the way everyone carries himself on the floor. There are times where everyone else is just bricking shots, and he's carrying the team on his back against an all-time team. Uh, man. Sorry, I'm just, like, going crazy at these numbers. No, yeah, it's uh, it's very impressive to behold. Uh, yeah. Number 11, we've got the 1992 uh, Eastern Conference Semifinals Game 7 against the New York Knicks. Now, this was one of just a couple of Game 7s Jordan ever played. Of course, we just mentioned the the game, the seven-game series against Indiana in 98, uh, but he also faced a Game 7 against the Knicks in 92. Uh, the Knicks were a 51-win team, of course, led by Patrick Ewing, who, who was pretty much smack dab in his prime at that point. Right. Uh, and in that Game 7, Jordan showed up, had 42, 15 of 29 from the field, 12 of 13 from the free-throw line, Six rebounds, four assists, two steals, three blocks, and five turnovers uh, in that Game 7 victory. And, of course, they went on to uh, to win the championship that season as well. Right. Now we're down to our top ten. Uh, <laughs> and that's what's crazy is we, uh, you know, we've, we've gone through so much, and it seems like, again, as you were mentioning, most players would be like, oh, if I just had that as my entire career accomplishments, that would have been amazing. But, yeah. Uh, you know, that's kind of, uh, uh, on Jordan's resume, you know, we haven't even gotten to the juicy stuff yet. Right, exactly. Uh, number 10, I've got the 1997 NBA Finals Game 5 at Utah. Mm. And uh, this, of course, is known as the flu game. And yeah. this Jazz team, 64-win team, 
Now, I will say that at that time, the Western Conference was a little bit weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, 64 wins is 64 wins. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, led by John Stockton and Carl Malone. Uh, but uh, the... You know, you've probably heard plenty of the different rumors. I I heard a rumor that he he ate a piece of pizza the night yep. before, and that was what gave him like food poisoning. Essentially, uh, is have you heard any other rumors, or is that basically what you've heard? That's what I've heard. Uh, different interviews with Ahmad Rashad, who was a, a reporter at the time and a really close friend of his, and Tim Grover, his personal trainer. They both say that they thought it was food poisoning from. I don't know why he's eating and then, pizza the night before an NBA Finals game. And then I yeah. also heard some rumor that uh, that it was a Jazz fan that delivered the pizza. Yeah. And, you know, that was hoping that he right. would knock him out and, and help the Jazz win the game. But that's what they were thinking. Apparently he was the only one to eat the pizza that night, too. Yeah. And then immediately started vomiting, didn't sleep the whole night. And you can see, if you go back and watch the game, he does not look like he's healthy at all. Right. And this just shows, you know, these numbers aren't going to be, like, mind-blowing. They're really good. Yeah. Uh, but for Jordan, they're not mind-blowing. They're not, like, exceptional. But given his condition, uh, you know, it was amazing he was even able to step on the floor and play at all. Right. Uh, but he ended up playing 44 minutes with the flu. Yeah. Uh, or severely ill with food poisoning, right. whatever flu, you want to like call it. Yeah. More uh, but it's... Uh, it was incredible. He put up 38 points, 13 of 27 from the field, 10 of 12 from the line, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, in and 3 steals. He also hit the go-ahead 3-pointer with 25 seconds left uh, that basically uh, you know, put the game away for good uh, for the Bulls. So just, right. just an outstanding performance. And I'm not sure what your thoughts are in terms of if you would have this higher than number 10 or maybe a little bit lower or what your thoughts on, were about that. It it depends on what we're going for. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, and I should mention to to all of you listening that uh, Anthony is learning about these as you are. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, I made this list on my own, and uh, I'm kind of surprising him with this, so he doesn't know what the rest of the top ten <laughs> is yet. Right. So it's I guess that was kind of a tough question to answer. No, it is. Uh, I might have put it a little bit higher, just you know the context of it, like. I, th- I think this might be the best example of showing his will to to win against any obstacle. And usually it's against a crazy tough opponent like Bad Boy Pistons or, or the Celtics or Lakers or whoever. But this one, it's like it, just a physical sickness that would have floored anyone else, you know. <laughs> uh, for him to play that well, and actually like that go-ahead three... He hits, and then you see him on the court, and he just kind of is like looking dejected and deflated. And Scottie Pippen puts his arm around him and walks him to the bench. Yeah, they he put... basically needed to be carried every time out yeah. to the bench. It was it's one of those things where you know you during the action he had he was he looked lively, but then as soon as the whistle blew, he just yeah yeah he He's... he knew he couldn't waste any extra energy. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And so it's, that's just amazing to me that, like, if he's that good when he's sick, what is he when he's healthy? You know, <laughs> right. it almost seems worse to go against him when he's sick because he wills himself that up. So, but yeah, if we're going stats wise, I get why this would be just at 10 because, 
you know, the efficiency isn't quite there compared to some of these other series. So mm -hmm. I'm excited with everyone else to hear how this is going to turn out. All right, so now we're down to number nine, which uh, mm. I have as the 1989 Eastern Conference Finals Game 3 versus Detroit. Now, again, this is uh, the Detroit Pistons team that went on to win their first title, a 63-win team. Mm. Uh, and in this game, Jordan puts up 46 points on 16 of 26 from the field, 14 of 15 from the charity stripe, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 steals, including the game-winning leaner off the glass with 3 seconds left. Uh, I actually watched the last 7.5 minutes of this game yeah. uh, just the other day, and the shot he hit at the end it was just insane. Yeah. You know, he, he was driving to his right, got right of the lane, jumped up in the air and Isaiah Thomas did a great job of coming off of his man and making it real difficult getting right in his path. Jordan just hangs in the air and basically <laughs> goes to his right and continues to fade away and finally shoots it <laughs> off the glass and puts it in, but it was just remarkable. And the Bulls were down 14 points with 7:30 to go in the fourth and he just made big play after big play down the stretch to to pull right. the the Bulls, uh, and they had they ended up having a two one series lead after the win in Game Three, wow. uh, but the Pistons ended up winning the last We're three of that series. On there. That's a that's another thing too when we talk about clutch. You know, I mean, this is one of the most clutch players of all time, and it's not just about you know. I know they've got stats about like who's made the most game winners or the most go ahead buckets with this much time or whatever, but uh, there are so many games like this where. There's seven minutes left, and you know it's just making the big plays consistently to t keep your team in the lead, you know, and mm -hmm. just making the right play. And you can see here, it's man, game. It's not just about the game winner; it's about man. Fourteen points. Most teams would be done right against the Pistons. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I like this list so far. I'm I'm pretty impressed here. It gets like you know, it's been crazy so far. It gets exceptionally so, from 8 to 1. Starting Ooh. with number 8, we've got the 1988 first-round series against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm. The Cavs were a 42-in team, but they were on the, you know, they were an up-and-coming team with Price and Doherty and, and Larry Nance. And uh, the numbers he puts up in this series are just astronomical. Uh, his series stats, 45.2 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, 4.8 assists, 2.8 steals, 55.9% shooting from the field, 91.8 from the free throw line. Chicago won the series three games to two, so it wasn't as if right. he was doing these in blowouts. The, this was a very competitive series. And on his way to give the Bulls a 2-0 series lead, in game one, and this was at Cleveland, yep. 50 points, 19 of 35 from the field, 12 of 12 from the line, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, 2 blocks, and 5 turnovers in the win. And then in Game 2, also in Cleveland, 55 points, 24 of 45 from the field, 7 of 7 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 steals. And despite those two crazy Game 1 and 2 performances... The Cavs came back and got it to the Game 5, which was, again, the first round series back then was best of five. Uh, but even in a Game 4 loss in Chicago, 
Jordan put up 44 points on 18 of 25 shooting. Holy crap. 8 of 9 from the free throw line. 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks, and 4 turnovers. Uh, and, you know, I those were the top 3 performances in the series. But even in Game 5, in which the Bulls ended up winning the clinching game, yeah. uh, I think he put up 39 in that one as well. So, just absolutely outrageous and you know Cleveland fans have every right to hate Michael Jordan because right he not only you know com- consistently eliminated the Cavaliers from the playoffs but he consistently eliminated better Cavs teams oh, yeah. than the Bulls were because he just was insane yeah uh <laughs> anyone else Looking at these stats would have just assumed that the other team was getting annihilated. Yes, you know uh, it, this is this is incredible. And I was I was thinking before I saw this list, I was thinking there had to be multiple, you know, eighty eight, eighty nine, and ninety series on this list because I remember watching it and just being like, I didn't think a human could do this type of thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it hasn't been until recently that I've seen another person doing that with LeBron James. Yeah, putting up these insane stats like and this. It, it's um, interesting you know in terms of the efficiency and the crazy offensive production it seems like jordan did it a lot more in the early stages of his right. career whereas Where, lebron's doing it more in the latter half of his career yeah. which is which is exceptional and interesting as well it really is that's really good to point out i and the one thing i also had that i um when i was preparing my little list uh apparently the game one 50 points and game two 55 points was the first time a player had had 50-point games consecutively in a postseason. Yeah. Which I thought was just insane. Right. Now, um, yeah, and, and the Cavs just unfortunately did not have a, a great defender specifically for a guy like Jordan. So, uh, you know, he was able to just absolutely annihilate them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and another interesting thing about that series is an interesting tidbit is that the road team won every game. What? Yeah, the game, wow. you know, games one and two were in Cleveland, and the Bulls took both. Then the Cavs <laughs> came back and won both in Chicago, and the Bulls won the decisive game five uh, in wow. Cleveland. So that's awesome. Really, really odd there. But uh, <laughs> now we're on to number seven. We've got the 1989 Eastern Conference semifinals against the New York Knicks, a 52-win team again with Patrick Ewing, a little bit younger Ewing, but uh, I think the younger Ewing was was. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, even better just in terms of the athleticism and that sort of thing. Whereas, you know, he might have gotten a little bit better defensively uh, as the the whole Knicks team did in the mid to to later 90s. Yeah. Uh, But uh, his series against the Knicks in 89, and this is, again, the Eastern Conference semis, 35.7 points. So not crazy in terms of the scoring, but still... Very, very good. Right, but these but next... But 9.5 rebounds, 8.3 assists, 2.5 steals on 55% shooting, and 81.9% from the free throw line. Some individual games, and what's crazy is <laughs> there are four out of the six that I found to be noteworthy in terms <laughs> of mentioning the individual game stat. That's how crazy the performance was. <laughs> But in Game 1, and this is in New York, 34 points, 11 of 17 from the field, 11 of 11 from the free throw line, 
12 rebounds, 10 assists, so a 34-point triple-double. And two steals to mm-hmm. go along with, uh, unfortunately, six turnovers in a Bulls win. And, you know, throughout his career, I think one of the things is, you know, again, we mentioned he played really well on the road, but specifically, I think in Cleveland and New York, yeah. <laughs> uh, he was he was terrific uh, in those buildings. Uh, in the Game 3 win for the Bulls uh, in Chicago, he put up 40 points on 14 of 25 shooting. 11 of 13 from the stripe, 15 rebounds, 9 assists, and 6 steals. Jeez. So almost a 40-point triple-double there with 6 steals. Yes. Jeez. Okay. Uh, and then in Game 4, uh, you know, put up his highest scoring total with 47 points, 12 of 18 from the field, 23 of 28 from the free-throw line. To get 28 free throw attempts, that's something. Yeah. Uh, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 blocks, and 6 turnovers in the Bulls' win. And then finally, Game 6, which was the clincher versus the Knicks in Chicago. He put up 40 points, 14 of 22 shooting, 11 of 12 from this charity stripe, 5 rebounds, 10 assists, 4 blocks, and 6 turnovers but also had the game-winning free throws drawing a foul on uh, the last possession for the Bulls with four seconds left uh, to give the Bulls the victory. And interesting, again, I was watching the end of that game as well. The Knicks got a wide-open three to potentially win the game and send it to a Game 7, but uh, the three was off the mark. But uh, Jordan not only hitting those free throws to put them ahead, but he had also hit a couple of free throws to put them up four with under a minute left. But the Knicks had a four-point play to tie the game. Uh, so, you know, Jordan making going four of four from the line uh, in the final minute again, showing that uh, that clutch gene that he had. Wow. That's just an insane series. Like, again, for anyone else, you would think that would be career best. Mm-hmm. Round number seven. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the next series, uh, again, just gets more and more outrageous. Uh, number six is the 1990 Eastern Conference Semifinals versus the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers were a 53-win team. Charles Barkley, I believe, was second in MVP voting that season. Probably mm-hmm. his second best season of his career behind the MVP year he won in 93 with Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, a solid opponent there in the second round. And Jordan, for the series, put up 43 points a game, 6.6 rebounds, 7.4 assists, 4 steals on 54.8% shooting and 85% from the free throw line. And here's some individual games. Uh, This is back-to-back-to-back games that were noteworthy. Game 3 at Philadelphia, 49 points on 19 of 34 from the field, 7 of 9 from the line. Five rebounds, five assists, four steals, and four turnovers in a losing effort. (laughs) And then in game four at Philadelphia as well, 45 points, 16 of 31 from the field, 12 of 13 from the line, six rebounds, 11 assists, two steals, and two blocks in the Bulls' victory. And in game five at home against Philadelphia, 
37 points, 17 of 26 shooting, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, 6 steals, and 4 turnovers. Back-to-back-to-back games there from Jordan in that series. Just, just unreal. That's incredible. And, you know, you got to feel bad for Charles Barkley given, you know, three separate series where he had a really good team, he played really well himself, but Jordan was just, just sensational. Just video game-like, as you stated earlier. Right, exactly. It, it seems, like, unfair. Seriously. Now, uh, the uh, the next one, we're into the top five now. We've got the 1991 NBA Finals versus the one. Los Angeles Lakers, who were a 58-win team. Now they they did have they did suffer some injuries in that finals uh, I believe uh, wasn't it James Worthy and Byron Scott at various times it wasn't the fully stacked Lakers that uh, had had played at that fifty win fifty eight win pace but but nonetheless he put up really impressive numbers uh, for the series he had thirty one point two points per game six point six rebounds eleven point four assists right. per game two point eight steals. On 55.8% from the field and 88 from the line. And uh, a standout game during the series was Game 2, which, uh, if you remember, was the game where he had that famous highlight where mm-hmm. he went up with, I believe, his right hand like he was going to dunk and then midair reversed it to his left hand and right. finished. Uh, Marv Albert has that famous call. Yeah, that, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Can't quite do it justice. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah. boy, how far Marv Albert has fallen. Uh, why, listening to him during the uh, the Western Conference Finals was uh, of 2018 was pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just in terms of how many mistakes he makes now. Oh, no, really. You know, he's still got the voice, obviously, and sure. the, that presence and that charisma. But he just, he, you know... You can probably count 25 mistakes every really? game that he oh. makes. And then he corrects himself as if, you know, it was someone else that made a mistake. But, oh. uh, you know, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, you know, he is one of the greatest announcers to ever do it. But it is kind of sad to see him, yeah. uh, you know, not doing it as uh, quite a high of a level. Right. Uh, but in that game two uh, against the Lakers, Jordan put up 33 points, 15 of 18 shooting. Yeah. Three of four from the line, five rebounds, ten assists, and five turnovers in the win. Yes. This one is definitely high on my list. Um, What's so amazing when you go back and watch this game, first of all, this is one of my favorite series to watch. Yeah. Um, Just, it's got two of my favorite players, you know, Magic and Michael, Mm -hmm. and they are going at each other. Magic, Statlin, I don't have it off the top of my head, but he almost matches Jordan. In terms of the assist numbers are pretty similar, same with rebounds. I think he scores a few less points per game than Jordan, but it's it's amazing how these are two prime competitors going at each other. But yeah, he in this game too, he hits 13 straight field goals, the 13th one being the spectacular move. Um, and the announcers were like, it's almost like he's, I don't know if it was Bob Costas, I want to say, was like saying, it's almost like he's trying to miss one. You know, because every move got harder and harder. They're in ones. It's fading away. And, Mm -hmm. oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, again, video game-like. Just Well, and if you remember as well, game one was a really tight game that the Lakers won where 
Jordan actually missed an opportunity uh, to tie the game at the end of regulation. He right. shot a he shot a, a shot going to his left, right at about the left elbow as time expired, and the ball went halfway down and rattled out. You know, he he mentioned, I believe, in a post game interview that it felt great. You know, he thought it was down, but right. uh, it's one of those where sometimes you know you can shoot it perfectly but the right. ball just doesn't uh doesn't want to go through the net right uh, so you know being down in again in your first finals appearance for jordan and the bulls uh being down 1-0 in the series uh game two was crucial you know yeah. you, if you go down 2-0 that means you got to win four out of five versus and versus anybody that's a that's a challenge right. so to put up that performance in a must-win game two is just all the more impressive it really is and i I probably should know this. I, I want to say maybe it's game three that he actually ends up kind of redeeming himself by hitting a game winner or a game clinching shot over Vladi Divac. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting about that, when he comes down, he actually ends up spraining, uh, I think, his big toe on his right foot. So if you see him, he shoots the shot over Divac, he hits a nothing but net, and he kind of comes down and like hunches over a little bit. For the rest of the series, you see him like dunking, but kind of de- delicately coming down because oh, yeah. he ended up hurting himself. But I think James Worthy gets hurt in this series, doesn't he too? Yeah, and which, Byron Scott, I think as well. Right, but which was disappointing because that you know if they were healthy, that it might have been it may right. have been a more competitive series, which obviously would have been fun. But right, but yeah, I agree. This game too was definitely one of his top. So now we're down to number four, which uh, that's going to be the 1992 NBA Finals versus the Portland Trail Blazers. So number five was his first finals, and number four is his second finals. Right. Uh, and the Portland Trail Blazers, a 57-win team led by Clyde Drexler and Terry Porter, really talented group that made the finals in 1990, made the Western Conference Finals in 91, I believe it won 60-plus games in 91 as well. Wow. So a team that had a great three- to four-year run. Uh, and uh, for the series, Jordan put up 35.8 points, 4.8 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 1.7 steals on 52.6% from the field, 42.9% from three, which was unusual right? for Jordan, and 89.1% from the free-throw line. And uh, in game one against Portland, he had 39 on right. 16 of 27 from the field, 6 of 10 on threes, 11 assists, and 2 steals. And, of course, this is the classic game where I don't know <laughs> if it was 3 or 4 made threes in a row. He kind of just put his hands up like, I don't know, I guess right. just they're just all going to go in. Right. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Um, everything was going in for him on that game. And that's the first half, right, uh, that he actually ended up with, uh, I believe it's, 35 points in the first half. Um, and I'm trying to look right now to see how many minutes he plays. Um, let's see. I think he only played 34 minutes in this game. So 35 points in that first half, and he's able to, you know, him and the team are able to blow out this really good Portland team by such a huge effort in just the first half. Yeah. Um, and again, game one, sending that message that, you know. Right. We're gonna we're gonna own you in this series, and even though Portland ended up, you know, putting up a pretty good fight in that series, mm-hmm. despite that. Uh, but then in Game Five, uh, 
you know, another crucial game in the series. Puts up 46 points on 14 of 23 from the field. 16 of 19 from the free throw line. Five rebounds, four assists, and uh, four turnovers Well, as well in the Bulls' win. And this was another series, again, talking about that, uh, you know, psychopathic tendency <laughs> in terms of his competitive nature that people were comparing him and Clyde Drexler, and yeah. he was out on a mission to say, this guy is not on my level. And I think he succeeded <laughs> after this uh, series. I think that talk kind of stopped. I mean... Well, and they, uh, you know, they, they were both then on the dream team, but again, I think Michael Jordan had clearly shown that that dream team was going to be his, and Clyde Drexler was a role player at best. Right. <laughs> uh, so now we're down to number three. We've got three left, and at number three, I've got the 1986 first-round series against the Boston Celtics. The Celtics, of course, one of uh, one of the greatest teams of all time. You've got kind of a puzzled look on your face wondering, if this is number three, what's number one? Exactly. <laughs> that was well read there. Yes, I'm like, wow. Okay. No, but yes. Uh, so... <laughs> Again, this Celtics team, many people consider the greatest team of all time. Yeah. Uh, that 86 Bulls team was extremely lousy in terms of anybody besides Michael Jordan. Uh, if you could name you know, even more than three members of the supporting cast, I'd be impressed. I'm trying really hard. <laughs> Kyle, it's either Kyle or Kevin Macy as the point guard. Dave Corzine. Brad Sellers. Brad Sellers is on this team, I think. Was Woolridge still on this team? Orlando Woolridge. Oh boy, yeah. That, oh my gosh. I'm not sure. Uh, but but, uh, but yeah, it was it was a really lousy. Oh yeah, lousy no. roster. All of those, except for maybe Woolrich, because he was pretty athletic. Everyone else that I just named was pretty terrible as a basketball player. Well, and, and uh, this '86 season is the year Jordan injures his leg, right? Right. And misses the majority of the season. I think he only plays 18 games on like regimented uh, minutes. There, and yeah. somehow the Bulls win like 38 games <laughs> without him. I don't know how that happened. He got lucky. Um, yeah. They got into the playoffs with 38 wins. And Jordan then was able to, as you said, come back for 18 games near the end and uh, play in the playoffs. And play in the playoffs he did (laughs) in this series against, again, arguably the greatest team of all time with Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, Dennis Johnson, Danny Ainge. Just a loaded team. Bill Walton Walton off off the bench. bench. Yeah, Uh, For the series, Jordan... Against that team, put up 43.7 points, 6.3 rebounds, 5.7 assists, 2.3 steals on 50.5% shooting from the field, and 87.2 from Charity Stripe. And a couple of individual games for you here, and this was a three-game sweep. Despite Jordan's brilliance, that's how much difference there was between how good the Celtics were and how bad the Bulls were as a team. In Game 1 at Boston, Jordan put up 49 on 18 of 36 shooting, 13 of 15 from the free throw line, 2 steals and 5 turnovers in a loss, and it wasn't particularly close despite (laughs) those numbers. Right. And then in Game 2, also at Boston, 60... Three points, which is still, I believe, one of the highest scoring playoff games, if not the highest of all time. Still the highest, yeah. 63 points 
on 22 of 41 shooting, 19 of 21 from the line, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals, and 2 blocks, including 4 turnovers, in what was still a 135 to 131 loss. Right. You know, throughout the history of the NBA, you can't really pick a better illustration of five guys against one and yeah. the one guy almost beating the five guys. Yeah, it's it's crazy when you watch that game. Uh, it, this game ends up going into double overtime. Uh, I believe to go into one of the overtimes, uh, Jordan actually has to make two free throws uh, to tie the game. When there's no time on the clock, there was yeah, a... he got fouled as the right. shot or as the game clock expired. So and and man, you talk about clutch. I mean, all the other players are off of the floor, and it's just him in the Boston Garden. Everyone's booing and yelling. Yeah, sinks them both. Nothing but nets. We're going to overtime. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and that that's the other thing too is they were swishes. It wasn't you know there was there was no question. He was making those free throws. You know, there's some guys that, you know, will hit the front of the rim and hit the backboard and roll in, that sort of thing. No, these were as confident as you could get, just nothing but net. Right. In his second year in the league, after only playing, I mean, he had a broken foot. Um, Yeah, it's and he actually had to fight with Chicago's, like, management to let him play those 18 games during the season because I believe they just wanted to, to tank. They wanted to get a good draft pick and everything. And he's like, I'm Michael Jordan. <laughs> like, I have to win all the time. Yeah. Um, well, and this was this was obviously him on the center stage for really the, well, you know, he made the game-winning shot in college. But on the sure. NBA level, this was him on the center stage for really the first time. And people really coming to grips with, oh, this kid is the real deal, and this is somebody special. And Larry Bird, yes. you know, after the series, uh, I don't know if you have the exact quote or whatever, but was very complimentary of the the young yeah. Jordan. I believe in like a uh, the post game. I believe he said uh, that wasn't Michael Jordan. That was God disguised as Michael Jordan, <laughs> just to say that like what he did was was godly on the floor. Yes. And this is coming from Larry Bird. Mm-hmm. And a prime Larry Bird. This dude is doing things no other basketball player has ever done. And he's like, yeah, that second-year kid, yeah, that's I've never seen that before in a basketball court. Um, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, I, you read my face right. I'm like, that's number three. Yes. What do we have in store for two and number one? Number two, I've got the 1993 NBA mm. Finals. Uh, of course, the Bulls played the Phoenix Suns in that series, won in a very competitive six games. Uh, but the Phoenix team, led by MVP of the league and a deserving MVP sure. in Charles Barkley, 62 wins. They had a great point guard in Kevin Johnson, a sharpshooter in Dan Marley. You know, pretty good depth off the bench with Danny Ainge and Tom yeah. Chambers. Just a really well-balanced basketball team and, you know, one of the greatest offensive teams of all time. Yeah. Uh, you know, certainly. And Jordan in the series, the series numbers for him on average... 41 points a game, 8.5 rebounds, 6.3 assists, 1.7 steals, 50.8% from the field, and 69.4 from the free throw line. So, you know, an uncharacteristic struggle from the strike right. for Jordan. Normally pretty solid from there. 
but uh, that was really the only flaw right. in his game during that series. And a couple of standout games in uh, in that matchup. Game two at Phoenix, of course, the Bulls were able to take both games one and two on the road, uh, which was crucial to them. Ended up getting that uh, that title. Uh, but game two at Phoenix scores 42 points on 18 of 36 from the field, 4 of 5 from the free throw line, 12 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals, and 5 turnovers in the win. And then in the crucial Game 4, of course, Phoenix won a competitive Game 3 and made the series 2-1, to one. and Game 4 they were trying to tie it up and make it 2-2, two to two, heading back to Phoenix. Uh, but Jordan just was outstanding in the Game 4 win. I think Barkley had a triple-double and, th- and thirty high 30-point totals himself. Oh, yeah. But Jordan, in the Game 4 win, scored 55 points on 21 of 37 from the field, 13 of 18 from the line, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists. And Charles Barkley uh, was quoted, uh, you know, many years after the fact, saying that, Going into this game, he did believe that he was the best player in the world, and he gave like as good of a performance as he, yeah. you know, had ever done in his career. And yet, it wasn't enough because Jordan was just a little bit better, and, yeah. and that's what he said. This, you know, maybe this guy's just a little bit better than I am. Which, for a guy of his caliber to admit to himself, shows you how great Jordan actually was. Oh yeah, um, and you know I. Hmm. It's hard to say. I mean, these are tough judgments of like where you're going to put number two versus number three or whatever. But I think you can make a pretty good argument for putting this series at at number two. I mean, to do that against this team, uh, if you go back and watch game four, uh, Jordan is just attacking the basket relentlessly. Every single time he catches it, he's like, I'm going to make them pay. Dan Marley's on me. I'm going to go to the basket. Um, What's his name? Dumas is on me. I'm going to go to the basket. And so even on a taller, lankier defender, he's shooting over him. A smaller defender, he's driving around him or backing him down on the post. I feel like this is like prime individual talent Jordan. Mm-hmm. You know, where the older Jordan, he's picking his spots. He's being a little more smart, a little like a, a sharpshooter, you know, um, working the offense. This is him just like, I'm going to put the team on my shoulders and just dominate. Yes. Um, well, and yeah, um, I'm glad you mentioned the the older Jordan because I do think that this version of Jordan was the greatest Jordan that I saw right. in terms of combining and balancing the athleticism with the skill and craft. Right. You know, it was, you know, 93 is kind of the midpoint of his career, pretty much. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, he had the post game developed at that point. He hit a lot of, uh, you know, fadeaway post-up shots in that series. Right. Uh, and he still had the ability to relentlessly, as you mentioned, attack the basket, a la Russell Westbrook, you know, that right. type of relentless intensity and, and uh, you know, pressuring the interior of the opponent's defense. But mm-hmm. then also, you know, the jump shot as well, mm-hmm. uh, and the defense being still just outstanding. Uh, and, you know, part partly why I think, you know, even though just from an individual perspective, you know, maybe that 86 series is a little bit better, the fact that his team needed this to win the series as well, right. I think maybe gives it a, a little bit of an edge for me. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I'm not mad at that. All right, so let's see if you're mad at the number one. So, so uh, 
My number one, I've got the 1989 first round series against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Wow. Now, the Cavs were a 57-win team. They were 6-0 and against the Detroit Pistons that season. They had Mark Price, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, Craig Elo, and very specifically to this team, Ron Harper. Ah. This was the best version of, you know, those Cavs from the late 80s and early 90s. This, to me, was the best Cavs team yeah. out of all of those because, again, this was prior to Mark Price with the ACL injuries. You know, Larry Nance was, you know, in 92, he was getting a little bit older. Uh, Doherty was, you know, still very young and athletic. And, of course, Ron Harper, prior to a bunch of his injuries, he was a great guard. And yeah. one of the guys that actually could defend Jordan a little bit better than some of the, the other Cavs teams. Right. They didn't have really an answer. Uh, but Jordan in this series was just phenomenal. And this, to me, is one of those where the Cavs were... You know, in, in 88, I thought the Cavs were better than the Bulls, and yet Jordan Definitely. was able to get them out of that series in five games. But I thought in 89, it was even a bigger difference. The Cavs were, you know, again, adding Ron Harper to that nucleus. Right. And allowing another season for that team to build chemistry. Uh, that Cavs team, and again, Lenny Wilkins, the coach, one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah. That Cavs team was amazing. And... You know, the Jack McCloskey, who was the general manager of the Detroit Pistons, I read his book, and he talked about how that team that won the title, their biggest fear in terms of an opponent was playing that Cavs team. They thought they were the best, the biggest challenger to their title. Uh, and so that shows you how much respect around the league that Cavs team had. Uh, and in the series in which the Bulls won in five games, again, three games to two, that was, again, when the first round was the best of five. Jordan averaged 39.8 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, 8.2 assists, 3 steals, 51.8% from the field, and 82.1% from free throw line. Now, there's two games in particular that... Uh, are, uh, are pretty uh, impressive here. Uh, game 3... Against the Cavaliers, scored 44 points on 18 of 34 from the field, 7 of 9 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 10 assists, 5 steals, and 5 turnovers in the Bulls' win. And the Cavs, after getting the Game 4 win, to send it back to Cleveland for the decisive Game 5. Jordan had a game for the ages yeah. in that game, scoring 44 points. In that one as well, 17 of 32 from the field, 9 of 13 from the line, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, and here's where it gets really special. He had the go-ahead field goal with 6 seconds left, and then of course the Cavs drew up that play that allowed uh, off the inbounds Craig Elo to go in and make a game-leading layup with 3 seconds remaining, and Jordan said, well, I'll just have to hit my second game-leading <laughs> basket in the final 10 seconds, where he hit a double-clutch impossible shot over the likes of Elo at the buzzer to yeah. send all the Cavs fans home really sad and depressed. <laughs> and uh, Doug Collins went crazy <laughs> as the Bulls head coach of that one. Uh, right. But, of course, that shot known around Cleveland as the shot. The shot. Yeah, um... 
that's another one of my favorite games to watch, especially just that end part of the game. Uh, both teams yeah, are playing. Yeah, one of the craziest finishes you will ever see. Oh, yeah. Both teams play so well and are just, it's going back and forth. And like you say, like, real clutch plays from both teams. Elo, I thought that was, that play was beautifully drawn up because uh, Elo was taking the ball in, he was inbounding the ball, right? And then makes a cut right to the basket, a little backdoor cut, and it was awesome. But, well, and both teams making clutch threes down the stretch as well. I yeah. think Pippen hit a corner three right. with about a minute and a half left. Elo came right back down and <laughs> responded with a three of his own. Right. You know, Craig Elo was playing out of his mind. I think that was a career game for him. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, it just wasn't quite enough. And despite the fact that he came up with about as good of a contest as you can without blocking it. Right. Uh, Jordan still made it. Moving the ball around, still is able to hit it at the buzzer. And Elo dropped to the floor, just yeah, absolutely just... devastated, as you you know, you know com- can completely understand, because yeah. he gave it all yeah. out on the floor in I, a losing cause. I think you make a, a pretty good effort for having this be the number one, even though you know he may be has some higher, you know, points per game in some of these other series, but who he's going against. And, you know, this is a Bulls team, like, before they've won a championship. And this is still a developing Scottie Pippen. You know, in those early years, there was a debate between, like, who's going to be the main sidekick of, of Jordan? There were analysts who were saying, you know, Brad Sellers, I think he's that guy. <laughs> you know, Pippen, he's good. He's just kind of inconsistent. Well, again, the Bulls were the sixth seed. They were the underdog in this right. series. The Cavs were a 57-win three seed. 57-win you know, yeah. three seed. Wow. And, uh, you know, so, and again, as you mentioned, Pippen and Grant had not fully developed yet. I would say at this point, both of them were just kind of solid role players. Right. Neither of them were even bordering on, like, guys you would say, could be a number two or three best guy on a championship caliber team. Right. And I think it's series like this that kind of dispel the myth that, like, you know, I've heard my whole life Jordan was, he just wasn't ready for the moment, and, you know, he just, he needed to learn how to be more competitive or to use his teammates or whatever. Like, this dude is playing out of his mind in all of these series, like, from the get-go. I think it just, he needed a team to catch up to him. And maybe have a coach that could rein him in a little bit of like, hey, yeah, you can do all those the amazing stuff, but pass the ball to Paxson every now and then. Like, he's, he's open. Right. Um, but I think Paxson needed time to develop to be the guy who could make the shot. So, Well, and it's interesting, you know, thinking about that, you know, the Bulls eventually ended up losing to the Pistons in the Eastern right. Conference Finals. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, comparing the Cavs, you know, if the Cavs would have gone against the Pistons and why maybe... Detroit and Jack McCloskey were worried about that series and why they had lost all the matchups during the regular season was, you know, their defense was great, but the Cavs were so difficult because of how much balance they had offensively. Right. You know, you couldn't lock in on one guy. And unfortunately, you know, Jordan, prior to getting the necessary help, the Pistons could just lock in on him which right. is why they were able to defend the Bulls better than they probably would have been able to defend the Cavs. Man, we could be talking about, uh, you know, a Cleveland Cavs championship in 1989. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's crazy to say that given that they lost in round one, but, you know, that stuff can happen. 
Right. You know, one series where it's just a poor matchup where you just can't guard one individual player. <laughs> right. And he just goes nuts can make the difference between a team, you know, losing versus going all the way and winning the t- entire thing. <laughs> wow. I, I'm impressed with this list. You put a lot of work into... Uh... Compiling this list, didn't <laughs> yes, you? I did. Um, yeah, spent quite a few hours uh, earlier uh, today doing this, and we're going to do the same thing for LeBron as well. And uh, I think it'll be interesting. Um, I'm going to try to do it in a similar way to you know not only show some of his best series, but his best individual performances, and uh, you know especially, um, and then you know look at the two of them and and really look at that and say, okay, so. Now that we've really dialed in on what they did in their playoff career, now of course LeBron has some years to go, but right. uh, you know, can we say one or guy or the other really has the edge? But certainly, it, just after experiencing Jordan, it seems like that's going to be hard to top. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but I mean, I, I will say this: I I remember watching LeBron, you know. Well, I don't want to get too into some of those series. We're gonna we'll we'll talk about that. But I've seen some series where I'm like, holy crap! I've seen maybe one other person do that type of performance, and his name's Michael Jordan. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, um, when you when you go back and think about it, are there any particular um, entire postseason runs from MJ that you think really stand out? Uh, you know, I, I would say, based on what I've seen here, like, uh, you know, those late 80s runs, yeah. uh, just getting to the conference finals and playing so brilliantly in those first couple of rounds would probably stand out to me, but is there anything in particular for you? Um, yeah, really, I mean, that was most impressive for me when I was going through and trying to watch all those games, you know, from, I want to say, like, a little bit of 87, there's some series that are pretty good, but from 88 through 90, or maybe through 91, I thought he was just individually dominant. Mm-hmm. He's doing everything for his team, every time they need a big basket, every time they need rebounds, whatever it is, he's doing it. Um, and there were interviews at that time where he's talking about himself as a utility player. You know, like even though he's a scorer, he's like, no, I do whatever our team needs. So yeah. if we need rebounding, I'll, I'm going to do the rebounding. Um, I don't know. Later on, it seems like he's more, you know, in the offense and everything. But that's kind of what stands out to me. I don't know. What about you? Is there anything else that you're seeing with this? Well, uh, yeah. The the thing that interests me was, you know, you you look at Jordan from that '96 through '98 run, and I mentioned a few of the individual games, but I didn't really mention any individual series right uh, in that second three peat. And it seemed to me there was less of that just right. crazy production in terms of numbers. But, you know, the the defense and the team around him was so much better that they just needed consistent, you know, 30-point performances from him. And right. that's what he did pretty much throughout right. the, that three-year run. That was, you know, interesting to me that, uh, yeah, there wasn't as many standout games and series in that in those later years than there were early on. Yeah. Um, and also stood out to me the caliber of teams that he's playing against when he's putting up these numbers. Right. These are elite 
elite teams, like all-time great teams that we're talking about here. Um, and this was just, you know, this top 20. We could go in depth and go through every playoff series and right. see other, you know, comparable uh, stat lines and everything. Well, this yeah, is... and, you know, I'd see a series where, oh, he averaged 31 points and four rebounds and four assists. Like, oh, that's just his typical numbers, so right. that's not... You know, an exceptional series for him, but you know, for everyone else, that's that's amazing production. Nice. Uh, but yeah, f- for the most part, and again, there are occasional uh, individual games where I'm like, oh, that was that's a surprising poor shooting performance. I might have seen a series where he shot 42 percent from the field or something. Yeah. But rarely am I seeing something that's a super outlier. Right. You know, it's mostly you know if he's either. He might be at like 28 points per game instead of the 32 or 33, or right. he might be shooting at yeah in the low 40s instead of at 50 plus. Uh, but for the most part, pretty consistent throughout his entire career. Yeah, um, it's incredible. <laughs> Seriously, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun going back into this. <laughs> well, yeah, I I, uh, I think I can speak for both of us that we're excited to to look into LeBron's. Yeah. postseason career as well because there's been a lot of special moments and uh, it'll be fun to uh to see if uh, i imagine making a top 20 for him is going to be a challenge as well uh, but i like that we set this baseline so we can kind of uh, compare and contrast uh who we both consider to be the top two players in the history of the game well that's all we've got for this episode uh, thank you so much for listening this is duncan dynasty for anthony brown I am Garrett Bouguet. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to our show on iTunes. Uh, and uh, if you can give us a rating on there as well, that'd be terrific. Uh, we're, on, uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spreaker. Uh, but uh, you know, if, if you can subscribe to us on any uh, podcast platform of your choosing, that'd be great. Uh, we appreciate the support. And uh, if you've uh, got any uh, suggestions or comments about uh, Jordan performances we may have passed up on, I hope not, but if you do, uh, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, any suggestions for future episodes, uh, we're, we're happy to hear from, from you as well. Uh, thank you, and uh, have a great day. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details.